Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour, bonjour. I am so grateful. (laughs) As always, I I have to start with gratitude. I can't help it. As you well know, if you're a regular listener, oh my goodness, we are waking up. It is happening. It is happening. I'm, I'm actually seeing it, the signs of it in the world more and more that the collective is awakening. And it may not look like it with the insanity, but the more the insanity is exposed, the more the darkness is brought to the light, the more it's evidence that we are no longer willing to just go along with the believing in the darkness. So, ah, my name's Jennifer Hadley. We're talking about A Course in Miracles here. And uh, it's interesting to me how spirit works so beautifully all the time without fail. So, The topic I was given for last week was the light you bring and uh, bringing the light of spirit into all the situations and circumstances. I've got uh, my dog Bodhi is here bringing toys, trying to incite me to play. Uh, And I can hear my cat running around like there's some kind of... uh, uh, major chase scene happening. Anyway, they're, they're excited. Uh, I'm excited about this. So Spirit had me do The Light You Bring, and then this week, Does Darkness Have Power? That's our topic. I always find if I just go along with whatever Spirit is suggesting, eventually I'll see, oh, there's a method here. There is no madness. There's a method. There's a script that's written that's actually unfolding beautifully. And so let's just go along with it. I'm going to begin here with a prayer and a blessing. I place my hand on my heart and I wholeheartedly am grateful to partner up with that higher Holy Spirit self and to allow, we're allowing the insight, the wisdom, the clarity, the dynamic wholeness to be revealed. We are grateful that the light within is the light of the Christ. It's pre-installed. We can't make it happen and we can't stop it either. We are grateful that everything that Spirit has has already been given to us. We're accepting the gifts of God today and we're blessing the whole world with the light of our holiness. So grateful to give up any and all false beliefs about the darkness. Yes, about ourselves. We're recognizing the light within. In gratitude, we share the benefits with everyone because we are one with them. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 
Amen. Amen. Yeah. So I uh, got led to chapter one, section four, which is entitled The Escape from Darkness. So we're looking at the text. Chapter one, section four, The Escape from Darkness. And in paragraph three, Jesus says something here that is so clear. Uh, And uh, you know I love it when it's absolutely crystal clear, it's emphatic. And he says here, darkness is lack of light as sin is lack of love. Darkness is lack of light as sin is lack of love. So bottom line here, there is no lack of light. Because the light within us, the light we bring, is the light of the Christ, which is not temporary, and it's not limited. So there is no lack of light. Darkness is lack of light. There is no lack of light. Therefore, darkness doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Remember what it says at the beginning. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing real can be threatened. Nothing unreal exists. So the darkness does not exist. It's not a thing. It is the appearance of the absence of light. But there is no lack of light. So one of the ways that I got this before I read A Course in Miracles, I had this realization one day, and it was probably a seed planted in my mind from spirit, from something I'd heard uh, or read. Maybe it was just a realization. It doesn't really matter. But I had this realization one day. If I'm in a very dark room, a completely dark sealed room where there's absolutely no light, so it seems, if I turn on the light, the darkness is gone instantaneously. I've talked about this many times before. The darkness does not have any power to argue or deny the light. The darkness cannot say to the light, oh, no, 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 you have no power here. There's no disagreement. Why? Because the darkness is not a thing. It has no power. It has no presence. Now, interestingly, what I've learned since I had that realization, and perhaps we've learned it since this uh, Course of Miracles text was written, or given to Helen, she wrote it down. Since that, we now know, because of scientific discovery, that the light that we bring, literally the light we bring as physical bodies, the impression of it in the field 
remains for, I think it's 30 days, that it is discernible for up to 30 days, and then it's, it dissipates and it's gone. So the, uh, uh, the light that we bring on a physical level makes an impression in the field that lasts for weeks. Kind of interesting. So, darkness is a lack of light as sin is a lack of love. Of course, we know that A Course in Miracles does not have any teaching on sin being real. Sin is a perception. It's an opinion. It's an opinion. Sin is an opinion which doesn't make it real. It's not a thing. One of the reasons why the belief in sin is so painful is exactly because we are choosing to believe it. It's not truth. It's not fact. And when we invest our God-given intelligence, the mind of God that is our mind, when we invest that in things that are not true... It's always going to disturb us and bother us and create ripples and waves of unhappiness and anger and all manner of distress. Thank goodness we cannot fall asleep at the wheel, so to speak. If we fall asleep and we're sleepwalking, thinking that we're awake, believing in sin, believing in darkness, it will always be accompanied with mental and emotional and even physical distress. So the good news is, if we're experiencing physical and emotional and mental distress, it can be undone by giving up our attachments to the belief in darkness and sin. And usually, when we believe that there's darkness in us, when we are, believe that we are sinners, and we are taught to believe this, right? Jesus died for your sins. It, the people think that that was something that Paul, the apostle, said to everyone, or somehow it was said to everyone, but Paul was actually speaking in one of his letters to the Romans, speaking to the Romans. Of course, it's historical fact that the people who crucified Jesus were the Romans. It was the Romans, the, the Roman government. So Paul wasn't speaking to every person. He was speaking at a time not that long after Jesus' crucifixion. And he was speaking to the people of Rome. Anyway, darkness is a lack of light as sin is a lack of love. It goes on to say it has no unique properties of its own. Now, so it has no abilities. And it, but it, yet it can feel like it's growing inside us, right? Or we can see somebody who seems to be going to the darkness. Think of Star Wars, right? I love how uh, many Course in Miracles students love how movies 
will illustrate the principles that Jesus is teaching about in A Course in Miracles. So in Star Wars, you have the forces of light and dark, right? It seems like the dark has power. In Star Wars, Darth Vader talks about uh, you underestimate the power of the dark side. What I'd like to say is a clarification. The darkness has no power, but our belief in darkness seems to have power because our mind is the mind of God. And what we hold in the mind of God seems to have power, seems to have an effect, but of course only in the world of effects. Nothing real can be threatened, nothing unreal exists. So darkness does not exist, it is not a real power. What he says here is, again, we're paragraph 3, section 4, chapter 1, right, right at the beginning of the text. He's clarifying these things. The darkness has no unique properties of its own. It is an example of the scarcity belief from which only error can proceed. So one of the most fundamental beliefs that arises out of the belief in separation is scarcity. If you believe you're separate from your source and the source of all, you will have a sense of scarcity. It's self-imposed. It's self-inflicted. And one of the things that I would invite you to, to ponder is if you suspect, as many spiritual students do, incorrectly, uh, and I certainly used to believe this, and this is why I talk about it so much, I used to believe that there was something wrong with me, and it was probably that I was fundamentally evil, bad. And I certainly felt like there was something wrong with me all the time. And I, I felt like the something wrong with me was that I was fundamentally bad or evil. And and one of the reasons I think that Luke Skywalker, as a character from Star Wars, became such an icon is because when Luke finds out that he is the son of Darth Vader, he suspects that he might have some evil in him. At least that's what I recall. Uh, it's been a long time since I saw the original trilogy, uh, but I do remember as a teenager uh, seeing Star Wars in the movie theater and thinking, wow, <laughs> that is so cool. Uh, so this is the thing that haunts us is this unconscious guilt that often shows up as we feel fundamentally bad, fundamentally wrong, fundamentally unlovable, not good enough. And the belief in it keeps bringing to us projections 
perceptions, interpretations that seem to affirm what we believe. And in fact, they do affirm that we believe it, but not that it's true. That's one of the most important fundamental ways out of the belief in scarcity and darkness in the perpetual pain and suffering is the evidence that we think proves that we're not good actually proves only that we believe it, not that it's true. Talking about this makes me think of Jesus's parable about the buried treasure. So uh, in, in that story, Jesus, or that parable, Jesus is saying the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when the person who actually is the rightful owner of that treasure uh, finds it, then he realizes he's not poor anymore. He, He realizes that, oh, he has this treasure. It's been buried. He it didn't remember it. He didn't recognize it. But now he's found the treasure within. He's not a poor man anymore. He's not a, a beggar anymore. And so Jesus is telling us with this parable, we are the kingdom of heaven is exactly like a treasure hidden in a field. The treasure is the Christ that's hidden in our heart, in our mind, in our very beingness. It's there. The treasure is there. Everyone has the kingdom of heaven buried within them. If we don't look for it, if we don't value it, if we don't discover it and access it and invest in our life with the kingdom, with that treasure, then we will think that we're poor. We'll think that we don't have. If we seek the kingdom within, everything will be added unto us. Everything, everything, everything. So what Jesus is saying here is darkness is lack of light as sin is lack of love. It is an example of the scarcity belief from which only error can proceed. Truth is always abundant. Those who perceive and acknowledge that they have everything have no needs of any kind. The purpose of the atonement is to restore everything to you, or rather, to restore it to your awareness. You were given everything when you were created, just as everyone was. The emptiness engendered by fear must be replaced by forgiveness. This is what the Bible means by there is no death and why I could demonstrate that death does not exist. I came to fulfill the law by reinterpreting it. Remember he said in the New Testament, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So in Masterful Living class, uh, just this week, I was saying that we were talking about the resurrection. 
as we're coming towards Easter here in about a month. And as we're moving towards the resurrection, uh, I encourage you to contemplate your willingness to resurrect to your true nature, your true identity. And as I've talked about probably in a handful of episodes of this podcast, in order to be able to embrace your resurrection as Jesus did when he, he was killed on the cross, he was dead when they, the body was dead when they took him down. That was so important to his teaching in his lifetime that the, the dead body was put in the tomb, was prepared for the afterlife, and they sealed the tomb, right, with the huge rock. And three days later, he rose. And he rose in the sense that during the time he was in the tomb, there was a transfiguration. That transfiguration happened. And the transfiguration is the complete renewing and restoration, the resurrection of that body temple. So then he was able himself to roll away the stone with using the one power, the one presence, the Christ light of the mind, and to go out and walk among them so people could see him and touch him and realize the transfiguration was real, the resurrection is real, and there is no death. I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. So what I was saying in Masterful Living was in order for us to embrace our own personal resurrection and transfiguration, which is truly 100% what I feel my life is about, accepting my own and then sharing with others, encouraging others. In order to do this, what I realized I had to do was stop the crucifixion. I had to say, okay, that aspect of me that values crucifixion, that believes I can be betrayed, that part of me, that part of my thinking, it's not part of me, part of my thinking, I had to disengage from it. I had to realize it was completely false. It was part of this belief in lack and scarcity. That I was, in fact, crucifying myself with this belief in guilt and lack and scarcity. And so I had to be the one to say, I'm not interested in that anymore. I'm not going to invest in that anymore. I'm going to invest in life eternal. I am going to uh, align with the force because the force is strong in me. (laughs) And the force will raise me from this belief in death. And it does and it has. And this is what I see with the folks 
in masterful living and finding freedom. They are raising themselves from the belief in death. They are raising themselves from the belief in crucifixion. The the stickiness of the belief in betrayal is very, very strong. This is why we're taught to hate Judas and to blame Judas with a righteousness that Judas did this to Jesus. We, We latch on to that. I wasn't raised as a Christian. I've never been a Christian. And still, there's that sense that Judas was evil, bad. But if you look at the writing in the New Testament, even as your source, never mind A Course in Miracles, if you just really look at the writing of the New Testament, Jesus needed that betrayal in order to prove his point. That forgiveness is the way out of the belief in death and the sense of infinite suffering that the ego is perpetually putting forth. And we can look around our life and see all the ways that we crucify ourselves with our uh, self-sabotage and our belief in sin and thinking that we're lost And over and over and over again, we crucify ourselves. Let's put an end to all of that. The darkness has no power. There's only one power. It is the power of the light within us. It is the Christ light that is God's essence and nature. Yes. (laughs) You're listening to A Course in Miracles. My name is Jennifer Hadley. If you'd like to know more about the programs that I offer, check out jenniferhadley.com or livingacourseofmiracles.com. We have so much to share, and a lot of it is free. I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Welcome back. Thank you for... Returning after that break. By the way, we're organizing things to be able to offer the podcast without ads, ad free. And so stay tuned for that information. And our conversation today, our topic today is Does darkness have power? And it does not. There's the simple answer. My name is Jennifer Hadley. (laughs) We're talking about A Course in Miracles. And we're talking about the power and the presence within us, the light of God within us. And we are, we're recognizing that the darkness has no power. Only the light has power. And the light is God. In the beginning, right? Let there be light. And the light is what we are. And one of the things I love so much about understanding that the light is what we are is that it's not possible to attach something to light. You can hide the light. 
You can cover it up. You can put something in front of it to obscure it, but you can't stick anything to it. You can't affix or attach anything to it. So what happens is we attach beliefs to our identity and we can only do that because it's a false identity it's not our identity in spirit which is as a light being so we're surrendering this idea that we can attach some kind of uh, wrongness badness some something that would degrade our innocence to our very identity and that it would stick and that it would be real. We're giving up that idea forever. So darkness isn't a thing that has power. There are not more than one power. There's just the power of love. There's just the power of spirit, of the of the infinite love intelligence that created us. There's only that one power that we are part of. So the illusion of duality is that there's two powers and that darkness has its own power, but it does not because it's not a thing. Only light is the thing. So darkness is lack of light as sin is lack of love. Darkness doesn't exist because there is no lack of light. Sin isn't real because there is no lack of love. And one of the things that I have found very, very helpful in my decades of spiritual discovery, and that is that There's a difference between the truth. So the truth is eternal. It's the same all the time. It's unchanging. Then there are our beliefs. Our beliefs are often changing. We have new understanding like the the person that thinks they're in dire poverty and then they discover there's a buried treasure. Now they realize that they're wealthy. Nothing actually changed in the world. They just had a realization and awareness of something they hadn't seen before because their mind was focused on lack and the darkness. They didn't see what was already theirs. It's a perfect example of how our beliefs can destroy our life. And when we believe things that aren't true, we can destroy our health and our relationships and all manner of things. Think of the people who have a compulsive jealousy and don't trust the people in their life. They're always looking for the betrayal. They're always looking for the deceit when there is none to the point where they make their loved ones miserable, create a very unhappy, unloving environment and push the people away. And it becomes, as people say, a self-fulfilling prophecy. So... This is helpful to understand this difference between 
beliefs and the truth. I I'll always say the truth is true, and it's true for everyone. Beliefs are not true. And that's why it takes so much energy to try and support them and make them feel real because they're not. They're just beliefs, just perceptions. And then there's what many of us call a knowing. We have a sense of knowing something. And this is this knowing, this discernment of truth is something that spiritual students are interested in. We'd like to have a clear knowing of the truth and move beyond belief and perception. And there can be confusion. People have perception and think that it's a knowing, but it's not. It's their interpretation of what they think they see. And that interpretation is through the lens of their past. I've had a, a few occasions where someone uh, accused me of something that simply wasn't true. There was no truth in it whatsoever. But it was their perception because it was their projection. And what I can do in being truly helpful is I can help them see the truth and get to the place of knowing, but they have to be interested in that. They have to have the humility to be more interested in the healing power of the truth, the truth that sets us free, it liberates us. That's how healing it is. They have to be truly interested in the liberation from the false beliefs in order to get to that knowing. And that's the thing is sometimes when people have a sense of knowing, they think they know what the truth is. They think they know what's real. But if it doesn't feel harmonious and peaceful to them, if they're arguing for the truth... It may not be the truth. I know for me there are times when I'm in conversation with someone, in relationship with someone, and I might speak the truth about a situation, and it's not the truth as I perceive it. It is the eternal, constant, infinite truth. And the person disagrees, no, that's not what's what's what. I don't have to argue with them. I don't have to argue with them. I, I don't feel a need to convince people of the truth. I like being able to share the truth. And if people don't find it valuable, that's okay. It's, it's still the truth. I find it valuable. And I enjoy sharing it because it is so valuable. The more valuable things are, the more I'd like to share them. Isn't that wonderful to be in that space? Mm. The more I have, the more I'd like to give away. That's how it feels to me. So darkness can have no power. It has no way 
to get power, but it can feel like it drags us down. It can feel like it weighs us down. It can feel like it it, it does have power. It limits us. But 100% of the time, it's our the, our belief in darkness. Because darkness is not a thing. So for me, it's been very, very helpful to understand that since my mind is the mind of God, if I place my attention on things, if I believe things, they will seem to be true. Because that is the power of the mind that we can convince ourselves that things are true that are not actually true. And we do it all the time. Because it fits a narrative that we'd like to believe, even if it's a negative narrative. So crazy. So crazy, that ego thought system. It's so wackadoo. My goodness. Now, uh, I I have a wonderful quote here. It's... um, from chapter 5 and it's in section 2 which is entitled The Voice for God and uh, it's paragraph 4 where Jesus is saying once again you are the kingdom of heaven but you have let the belief in darkness enter your mind and so you need a new light the Holy Spirit is the radiance that you must let banish the idea of darkness. The Holy Spirit is the glory before which dissociation falls away. Dissociation is separation thinking. And the kingdom of heaven breaks through into its own. Before the separation, you did not need guidance. You knew as you will know again, but as you do not, no, now. So we are opening ourselves to the truth. And if we would like to get on the fast track, we connect with the Holy Spirit. And there's no secret to connecting with the Holy Spirit. It's simply Holy Spirit. Just say Holy Spirit. We don't even need to say Holy Spirit. Because... The Holy Spirit is not communicating in words, which are symbols of symbols. The Holy Spirit is connecting and communicating energetically, and we're doing that too. So we don't have to think of the words to say. We can just mentally connect Holy Spirit. I'm watching my little kitty here. I'm in front of this little heater. Because this room I'm in is a little cold. And he just came in from outside. And he's getting a little too close to that heater. Got to be careful. You're going to burn your whiskers, my boo. You are the kingdom of heaven. But you have let the belief in darkness enter your mind. And so you need a new light. The Holy Spirit is the radiance that you must let 
banish the idea of darkness. The Holy Spirit is the glory before which dissociation falls away and the kingdom of heaven breaks through into its own. Before the separation, you did not need guidance, but knew you knew as you will know again, but as you do not know now. Hmm. I'm willing to know again. I'm willing to be guided to the place where I no longer need guidance. It's all good. I like being guided. I do. So, we're opening ourselves to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Now, one of the ways that darkness manifests or shows up, appears in our consciousness is in the idea of death and believing that death is real, that death is a permanent thing, that we are born to die. These kinds of thoughts are dark. They are not the, the light of the resurrection. They are not the light of the Christ. So one of the things that I have found very, very helpful is to be extremely willing to be aware of where my thoughts are going. Am I focused on the darkness or the light? Am I waiting for the darkness or am I immersed in the light? Am I shining the light? Am I focused on the light? What am I putting my attention on? For me, one of the, in in entertainment, I like stories about redemption and resurrection and people coming to their senses, realizing the light within, valuing the light within. It's the story of my life, and it's never boring to me. I'm interested in the stories where people turn away from the darkness and turn toward the light. And when I was in my 20s, in my mid-20s, I had a realization that I felt as though I had lived my life until then with my back to the light, facing into the darkness. I was interested in the darkness. But in this moment where I was opening myself to that higher Holy Spirit self, I made a conscious decision to turn towards the light of my being and to turn away from the darkness and not to be interested in the darkness anymore. Uh, you know, there's that, that old song, Ain't Gonna Study War No More. Ain't gonna study the darkness no more. Not interested in it. Because the darkness isn't a thing Why study it? It has no power. Why study it? Instead, let's put all of our attention on the light. 
all of it. Now, one of the things that A Course in Miracles also talks about is hiding, hiding from God, hiding, thinking that we can hide our thoughts, hide our feelings, hide our beliefs, hide our sinfulness. Where would we hide that sinfulness but in the darkness? But the darkness isn't a real thing. We keep wanting to make it real when we're ego-identified. Increasing our sense of victimhood and struggle. And I get that people feel that the darkness is in them and that it is real and they are struggling. And what Jesus is saying to us here is just turn it over to the Holy Spirit. And, and that is one of the strongest messages I have is give it all to the Holy Spirit. Give the Holy Spirit the heavy lifting. Allow the Holy Spirit to do what you'd like to have done. Lift the attraction to the darkness. Lift the sense of sinfulness. Would you be willing to never call anyone else a sinner, even if you don't use that word, you know what I mean, to, would you be willing to stop finding fault with other people in order to help yourself liberate from the darkness, from the false beliefs, from the pain and suffering that feels so real? Would you be willing to hold others in the light so that you can hold yourself in the light. The darkness has no power. There's only one power. Let's not have a belief in a separate power anymore. Let's give that up now and forever and stand in the light. Make a stand for the light. One of the things I like to say about my own life choices is I work for the light. I'm in service to the light. This idea that darkness has power comes up again and again and again. Think about it. It comes up, for instance, when we feel like we have cravings addictive compulsive tendencies and temptations and we feel like we're struggling with uh, addiction it can feel like the darkness has power and it's dragging us off somewhere darkness does not have power only love has power there is not a second power never has been never will be The willingness to recognize that love is the only power helps us to see that it's true. So other ways that we think darkness is real is that we believe that we are unlovable, we're not good enough, there's something wrong with us, that we have failed or we are a failure. That's another way that we 
seem to attribute power to the darkness. It's helpful to always remember that wherever there appears to be darkness, if you turn on the light, the darkness is not there anymore because it never was there. Darkness is that seeming absence of light, but there's no such thing as a lack of light or a lack of love. But these are false beliefs that people can believe. They can be convinced of it temporarily. And so we're changing the way everyone thinks by how we hold these things in our mind. And one of the ways to get out of the habit of believing in darkness is to value the light, to value it, and to look for it in our brothers and sisters, to find the light and, and by looking for it wherever we go. We will find it if we look for it. Seek and ye shall find. You are the kingdom of heaven, but you have let the belief in darkness enter your mind, and so you need a new light. The Holy Spirit is the radiance that you must let banish the idea of darkness. The Holy Spirit is the glory before which dissociation falls away and the kingdom of heaven breaks through into its own. Before the separation, you did not need guidance. You knew as you will know again, but as you do not know now. Our willingness is all that's required. So grateful to put our attention on the light. Be very mindful. When are you turning away from the light? When are you focusing on the darkness? And when you notice that's going on, go the other way by partnering up with that higher Holy Spirit self. Holy Spirit, let's go the other way. Thank you. We're riding on the wings of the Holy Spirit. Oh my goodness, yes. Uh, I'd like to tell you I have my challenge to end self-sabotage. It starts March 25th, and it is a six-week program. The first week is free, so if you'd like to check it out, come and join us March 25th. Uh, This is a very low-cost program. It has tremendous benefits for folks who who are challenged with addiction, and compulsive tendencies, and self-medication, and are ready to let it go. Oh, there's my cue. Let's put our hand on our heart and be grateful and thankful that the love of God is what we are. The light of the world is what we are now and forever. And so it is. Amen. Amen. I love you. God bless you. Mwah.